0: Welcome to the Gracefully Refined Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Redfairn, and I am so glad you decided to tune in. Here on the Gracefully Refined Podcast, I tackle topics that not only will challenge you in your Christian walk, but will also encourage, uplift, and remind you of the infinite and indescribable hope that we have through Jesus Christ. I am so excited to dive into God's Word with you. There are so many amazing truths that are still applicable in our daily lives, and I cannot wait to discuss them with you. So friend, grab your Bible and coffee, and let's get into the Word. Hey y'all, welcome back for episode two in our series on trials. If you missed the first episode, you definitely need to go back and listen to it first, because there's a bunch of great info as we dive deeper into this topic. Y'all, I'm so excited for this episode, and all that God's going to show us through it. Today's topic is all about the refiner and the refiner's fire. So, back in July, I made a post on my Instagram stories about different aspects of trials. And one of the questions I had asked was, when you hear the term trials by fire, like, what do you think of? Most of the responses said something to the effect of, like, the refiner's fire. Dictionary.com defines a refiner as a person, device, or substance that removes impurities, sediment, or other unwanted matter from something. So, for my new Christian friends that may be listening, our refiner... Is God. He cleanses us from our impurities, our filth, and the stench of sin within our lives. When He refines us, He strips away the parts of us that are sinful and desolate. So, like, where is the term refiner's fire seen in Scripture? If you have your Bible, I hope you do, but if not, please just listen along as I read from Malachi 3, and we're looking at verses 2 through 3. But who can endure the day of His coming? who can stand when he appears for he will be like a refiner's fire or a fuller's soap he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver and he will purify the sons of levi and refine them like gold and silver and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the lord as i was studying this passage of scripture i actually found this really cool footnote that went along with this that i wanted to share with you guys too cuz i just thought it was like super cool A refiner's fire melts down a metal, such as gold or silver, for purification purposes. Once a metal is in its melted down state, the dross in the metal rises to the top and is then removed from the metal before it cools. A refiner's fire does not destroy the metal. Rather, it allows the junk within to come up so it can be removed. A refiner's fire does not consume. It makes the metal better and more valuable. Not going to lie, that can preach right there. Friend, God, our refiner, does not destroy us, but rather he allows the junk or unwanted sinful parts of who we are to come up to the surface so that it may be removed and cast away. He desires for us to see our true value and worth away from sin, the way that we were intended to be before the depravity of man. You see, like, sin was never really a part of God's original design for us. But mankind chose it. We see this in the beginning of Genesis. So, from it comes every form of wickedness and evil that we see in the world. Now, I want to be clear here. Sin does not have to be inhumane to be sin. It can be as simple as lying, gossiping, lusting, envying, hating, and so many other ones that I could add to this list, but we'll be here for a long time if I go through every single sin, okay? All it takes, guys, is one sin to separate us from God. But I am so thankful that God is the God of second chances, and He is the God of restoration. He is the refiner of our souls, and He cleanses us of our impurities to make us better and more like Christ. One of my favorite examples of this in Scripture has to be the story of King David and Bathsheba in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. I'm not going to read the whole chapters. I am at least just going to give you guys a brief overview. But I highly encourage you, if you've never read this story, to go and read it. Honestly, I encourage you to read the whole Bible. But like I said, we'll be here for a long time if we did that. It's it's just so incredible and full with so much truth. But I'm going to go ahead and start just summarizing what happens in this section that I wanted to talk about. So the beginning of chapter 11 begins by saying, in the spring of that year, the time when kings go out to battle, I want you to pay attention to that part right there, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. David was not where he should have been, y'all. On the front lines with his troops and his countrymen who were fighting for Israel. Instead, he stayed behind in the palace. I want to go ahead and tell you this as well. When we are not doing what we're supposed to be, and when we are not in the place we know we should be, that is the perfect opportunity for Satan to tempt us and to deceive us and where we can fall victim to sin if david had been where he was supposed to be this event that occurs may not have ever happened we don't really know but because david was in the perfect place at the perfect time it was the perfect recipe for him to become bored and for him to sin so what exactly did david do let's go ahead and keep on looking right So one day while he's at the palace during this time, he catches a glimpse of a beautiful woman bathing on top of her roof. David inquired, like, who she was. I mean, obviously, she's a beautiful woman who's naked on top of her roof. David's probably like, yo, who's that girl over there, right? Like, she's good looking. And the messenger told him, dude, like, she is Bathsheba, the wife to Uriah the Hittite. I bet that was really hard for David to hear. Uriah. Let's talk about who Uriah is for a second, in case you don't know what the significance of this would have been. Uriah was one of David's mighty men. He was one of the best fighters that was loyal to David when he was fleeing from King Saul. At the very least, he fought side by side with David in combat before and after he became king. He was a friend. He lived close to the palace, which shows his position of honor in the king's army uriah was away at war where david should have been instead david was at home in his palace alone staring at his beautiful wife david brought bathsheba into his house and he slept with her some time passed and she sent word and said yo uh i'm pregnant surprise and it it's yours David obviously panics getting this. And I promise you, that's not how the Bible actually says it. I'm just adding that in. But David probably panicked and had like some kind of meltdown, right? And he's like, oh no, like what do I do? What do I do? So he comes up with a plan. He brings Uriah back home from war. He brings him off the front lines. David's plan was to have Uriah sleep with his wife so that it would seem like the child belonged to Uriah rather than David because she was still pretty early on, right? You see David was already trying to cover up what he'd done. However, Uriah, being the noble man that he was, did not go home that night to be with his wife. The next day, David finds out and he comes up with another plan. So that night, David got Uriah drunk in hopes that he would go home to be with his wife. And yet, Uriah, being the noble and honorable man that he was, can you guess what he did? Yeah, you probably guessed right. He didn't go home. So, David sent a letter back with Uriah to tell Joab these words. And I want you to pay attention to what David sent in Uriah's hand to Joab. Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting, and then draw him back that he may be struck down and die. David sent Uriah back to the battlefield with his own death sentence in hand. Uriah, being noble, and honorable, did not open or read the letter from his king, his long-time friend. Sadly, Uriah was killed in battle. Bathsheba mourned her husband's death, and once the mourning period was over, David brought her into his house, made her his wife, and she bore him a son. David made himself appear in everyone's eyes around him to be the hero, to be this valiant king who swooped in and saved his friend's poor widow however god was displeased by david's actions and y'all when god is displeased you better know something's about to happen okay god only allows sin to carry on for so long so nathan the prophet was sent to david by god He told him the story of a poor man who had one little yule lamb. And it was like family to the poor man. He held it, he loved it, he played with it, it slept with him, it was like family. And a rich man, who was his neighbor with a larger flock, had a visitor come one day, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock to prepare a meal for his guest. So in his greed, He steals this poor man's little lamb, and he feeds it to his guest. David burned with anger at hearing this story. David said, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and he had not pity. David was angry about the man's injustice towards the poor man. I can guarantee you guys, when Nathan replied to him, David was probably shocked. Because Nathan's reply was, you are that man. Nathan continues by telling David of his sins and what the Lord will do in response to those sins. David replies, I have sinned against the Lord. David was probably shocked or even stunned. He had been found out. He could not hide or keep this secret. Of what he had done before God. David repented. Psalm 51 is one of my absolutely favorite psalms in the Bible. Honestly, all of psalms are are my favorite. I really can't just pick one. But this one has to be one of my top favorites because of the deepness and the emotion within it. If you don't know what Psalm 51 is, it's the psalm that David wrote after Nathan had come to him and told him, of that god saw his sins it's deep and beautifully written i won't read the entire psalm but i do want to highlight at least certain parts of it so you can go back in your own time and read it but verses one through four say have mercy on me O god according to your steadfast love according to your abundant mercy blot out my transgressions wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Let's skip down to verse 9 and we'll read verses 9 through 12. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. David lamented what he had done and repented of it. God cleansed him of his unrighteousness. However, there was a consequence for the sin That David had committed. The son that was born to him in Bathsheba died. David begged for this not to happen, but in the end, what God had said would come to pass did. So, once David knew that the boy had died, he got up from the ground, he changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord, and he worshiped. He did comfort Bathsheba. And she ended up bearing him another son. And this son, can you guess who it is? You're right, it's King Solomon. And Solomon would become known as the wisest man to ever live during this time. Friend, there will always be consequences for our sins and our choices. Sin does not come without a price being paid. In Genesis, we see the price of the disobedience of Adam and Eve being the result of sin entering the world and toil. For a woman, it was that childbirth would be painful. And then for Adam, it seemed that labor and hard work and to- working the ground would always be hard. Sin slowly creeps in and drifts you further and further away from our God, our Father. David, who is known as a man after God's own heart, a poet, a talented musician, and soldier in combat, is also a liar, a murderer, and adulterer. So why is he not remembered for the latter? It's because of his repentance and his willingness to be refined by the refiner of our lives. Our living God. David turned from his sin and sought after God with all that he had. He begged God to create a new heart within him, to cleanse him, and to not remove his holy presence. Friend, are you allowing God to refine the nasty parts of your life that you believe are secret? Or are you pretending like those parts of you do not exist? Y'all, no one is perfect. We all have sin. We all have baggage and things that we can work on. But are we laying them at the foot of the cross? Are we giving over of ourselves and sinful desires in order that we would become whole in the body of Christ? Or are we allowing God to create a pure and clean heart within us? Or are we choosing to stay blinded by our sin? He is faithful, friend. 1 John one nine says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He loves you. He has a plan for you. And He desires to make you more into the version of who you're meant to be, which is an ultimate reflection of Him. Now, the refining process is not painless. As we have seen in the story of David and Bathsheba, it can be gut-wrenchingly hard. It can be filled with embarrassment from your sin coming to light. It can be eye-opening if you've been blinded by your sin. It is also freeing and allows you to live a life free of the shame and guilt that sin had you tied to. It allows you to be open and honest with the creator of the universe who is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not just the things that are kind of bad, but all of it. It can all be washed away if you allow your refiner to do the work that needs to be done in your life. Friend, I pray that you would trust our loving and merciful Father. I pray you would allow him to cleanse you of the things that you keep hidden, I pray that you would find fullness and value within the eyes of your creator that loved you enough to send his son to die for you on the cross and to be raised up three days later just so you could spend eternity with him. I pray that whatever sins you are keeping hidden, that you would be able to confess them to your God, your refiner that loves you and desires for you to be rid of those things. You were never meant to walk through this life alone, and thankfully, you don't have to. Thank you for tuning in to the Gracefully Refined Podcast. I hope that through this episode, you were challenged, encouraged, and reminded of the infinite and indescribable hope that is found in Jesus, our Savior. If you do not follow me on social media, you can find me on Instagram under the handle Morgan Redfarin. that is spelled M-O-R-G-A-N-E-R-E-D-F-E-R-I-N, where I post Jesus-loving content even more. I pray you have an incredible rest of your week, and I will see you in the next episode.